Tim, episode 35 of Stats Don't Matter. Week 13, Benito. Week 14, probably started by the time you listen to this episode. In our cups this week, you know it. It's stout weather. And now it's actually stout weather here in Virginia. And I don't I don't appreciate that. I think you have something to do with it. Because you're always getting those crazy storms up there. And there was ice and sleet and stuff this weekend. And now it made it down here and it was like 30 degrees overnight. So I'm like, all right, cool. It's stout weather. So I have a stout this week from Brattleboro, Vermont. And you have a stout from Bristol, Connecticut. And everyone knows, everyone knows we're IPA guys, but we can get down with the stout sometime. And I think we got some interesting ones for you today. Um, of course, we're interesting wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify, and we're quite interesting on Twitter, okay? At Stats Podcast, I'm told we're pretty funny, and we don't slide into any DMs that don't include breweries or potential podcast hosts. We don't double tap anything but beer and sports content, so I mean, like, if you're not following us at Stats No Matter Instagram, you're really missing out, so go on, like, share, subscribe, and thanks for listening to the show. Tim a crazy week of football. Let's get into it. All right. Stout weather. I'm going to start us off this week. I got Black is Beautiful. It's a, a social justice beer, right? That Weathered Souls Brewery actually came up with and they put this recipe out. It was sort of like the other half altogether beer, except this one was specifically for social justice causes. And of course, everyone knows stats that matter. Black lives matter. We're all about the social justice causes. This beer is made by Hermit Thrush Brewery. It's their version of the uh, recipe, and they're up in Brattleboro, Vermont. They do a lot of kettle sours. Um, this is a kettle soured imperial stout. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but the can label is fantastic. It's got all these little shades of melanin to look like uh, black people in America. It's just, it's fantastic. It's it's absolutely great. I've never had a bad hermit thrush beer, so I doubt this is going to be the first one. But I mean, I, I don't I don't think I've had a sour stout. Is that a thing? I mean, I guess mm, we're about to find out. I can't say I have either. So I'm very interested. All right, let's see here. Oh boy. This does not smell like a stout. That's from the can, like a savage? Oh. What are you doing over there? Oh. Imagine. Oh, you guys can't see this, but I'm blinking. Because <laughs> uh, this is like super pucker right now. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, most stouts and porters, they have that like that roasty, that malt flavor. Yeah. This is like somewhat of a, oh, God, it's like this is sticking with me. This is like something that just kind of. Ah, man, I'm like struggling to describe this. This is super unique, though. Like at first, it's like it hits you like a pile of bricks. You're like, wow, sour. And then like you get the the roasty like stout flavor behind it. I I don't hate it. That's that's well, that's really, really interesting. Like, man, I kind of cool, actually. I now look, I understand the the. The, the message behind the beer, we obviously have made our stance very clear on that, but I want to make sure that the message behind the beer is not swaying your opinion here because the look on your face doesn't necessarily scream overwhelming enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big sour guy anyway, so like, you know, I, I'm not going to, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about it. I won't give the beer a rating. I know there's a lot of breweries that have made their versions of this, and I've always missed them because they've always sold out whatever. Yeah. So I saw the can, I was like, oh snap. You know, it's an Imperial Stout. And I was like, oh, kettle sour. Yeah. But fantastic message. Uh again, I won't I won't rate the beer just because I don't think it's the right thing to do, but um I have a four pack of these and I have to figure out how in the world I'm gonna down the other three because uh but this is unique. That's what I will say. Like, yeah. Like uh, just I, the tangy pucker factor and then the stout push behind it. Did not see that coming. Oh yeah. So to, <laughs> oh, to, to, to be honest, like I like I love the experimentation that one of these making them unique. I had originally thought that it was gonna be the same recipe brewed across the board. And the proceeds were going to go towards, you know, various foundations and things like that. Uh, but when I found out they were, you know, up to the brewery's own discretion, uh, I knew, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot with what you get because a lot of people opted into these. I cannot imagine the process behind, like, maybe you have to really like sours and unique beers in order to enjoy something like that. But those are not two flavors, like, would you drink a sour coffee? No, of course not. So, like, yeah. why would you want a sour brownie? Like, I, well, I yeah, just... I mean, you have like the you have like the oud brunes, right? You have like the Belgian browns, which are like kind of tangy. You get the little vinegary taste to it. You know what I mean? Like it's sour off the top. But like, what is surprising about this is it's ten percent. Yeah, and I gotta be honest. After the first two sips, I don't really taste the sourness anymore, which is <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> And also a very, very bad thing because yeah, it's ten yeah. percent. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Well, what you got? Enough of your craziness. Um, I have more of a traditional stout from a local brewery called Firefly Hollow. Um, they're actually really close to where I work down in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, they're one of those breweries that for me it's uh it has its place. It's hit or miss. Like I've had a couple of theirs that uh I've really enjoyed. Some of them, you're like, you know, perfectly serviceable beers. So uh, my wife is a big fan of nitro stouts. Um, I mean, just stouts in general. She likes a good Guinness, like a nice cold Guinness. Uh, so we're always experimenting and we're always trying to find new stouts. So I went in and and saw that this one is available. And I mean, I'm pretty excited about it. It's a nitro, nitro oatmeal stout. I mean, I've had Breckenridge. I'm sure everyone's had the vanilla porter. You get the left-hand mm-hmm. nitro, all those. Yep. Those. Those are pretty solid. Those are regularly, you know, featured in our fridge. So what we were hoping for is something kind of along those lines, but a little closer to home, you know, keep those shop local vibes. When we first started this podcast, I wanted a big emphasis to be on local craft breweries, beers that you can find, not necessarily the big whales. Kind of gotten away, done a bunch of whales. Thanks to Vacation Land for hooking us up with a lot of those. We'll still have and feature a lot of really high-end beers, but I do want to make sure I'm mixing in easy to get beers, um, unique beers, breweries that, you know, you may or may not have ever heard of. So excited about this one. Let's give it a shot. Lots of, uh, lots of, lots of noise coming out of that can for a traditional nitro. Doesn't, doesn't really pour like a nitro from, from what I can, I can, I mean, it looks like straight motor oil, like 50 weight. Yeah. And I mean, typically when you get a nitro, I mean, depends on what nitro style beer you use to pour in. Usually they come out, 
uh, really thick head that takes a while to sort of settle, pour heavy, the, those smaller bubbles give you a nice little smooth feel as you're drinking it, and without taking a sip, I don't see any. It looks more like a root beer in this cup, to be honest with you, but it smells great. It smells like a straight-up stout. Not bad. Not bad. Pretty, I mean, flavor-wise, it's pretty good. Definitely doesn't feel like a traditional nitro. Now, you know, I... <sighs> I don't, I don't know if this is just something that got screwed up in the canning process or if that's how it's intended. I would not, if I were going out looking for a nitro, a nitro porter or like a nitro stout, this is not what I would have pictured that flavor or not flavor, sorry, but that mouthfeel, I mean, aroma to be. Uh, the beer taste itself is really good. Not quite what I was expecting out of the can. I would definitely drink it again. I think it's, what did I compare it to? It's sort of weird. It's almost like there's an ideal gas law proposition. Like if you had an overinflated football and then, you know, it was cold outside and you just lost PSI. Like, could you have lost pressure from the nitro in the can? Uh, if I lost pressure from the nitro in a can, we got a bigger problem because that means the there's air inside this can and now I'm drinking a <laughs> bacteria written beer. So listen, listen, Linda, listen. I don't All get right, so I don't get too many pot shots at you. This is one. That's a good one, but I think it kind of falls a little bit in line with, you know, sort of what I think of Firefly. Um, I'll give this one like a, I'll give it a three, nine. Like it's a solid beer. Obviously we've had a, a lot of really heavy hitting stouts on here between, you know, some of the other ones we've mentioned in previous podcasts. Ah, geez, I thought we were going to get it <laughs> back <laughs> nah, to back episodes with the bingo. No, but I'm, I'm talking like Barreled Souls. I'm talking mm. Anger Chair, like all of them. We've 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 cycled through some pretty pretty heavyweight uh, stout. So yeah, I'll give I'll give this one a three nine. All right, I'd have it. like if I were out for uh, if I were out for a burger or out for food, and I saw this on the menu. It'd, it'd be one I would consider ordering. Yeah, I like it. That I is- just don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't seek out like. If they have a nitro and a regular version, I don't know if I would seek out the difference between the two of them. I think the flavor profile is probably the same for an oatmeal stout. So, solid beer, three nine. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. One of the things I really do miss about just going to a place and just getting a, a nice, nice pint and a burger. There's just something yeah. about it, and I'm just just missing out on it, as I'm sure everyone else is. So I got no reason. Yeah. But. All right, let's get into this week's show. Week 13 of the NFL. I mean, I don't know if you're going to start off with a big fat L or not, Tim. I think you are, but uh, take it away. Uh, yeah, not necessarily a big fat L, but an L for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I I thought the thought the Titans were going to come out and well, let, let, let me backtrack a little bit. I thought this game was going to be closer or it was close. I thought the Titans were going to win and I thought it could still be somewhat of a competitive game. What I wasn't expecting is the Browns and to come out and put a 40-plus spot on the Titans, and then the Titans manage a way to come back, put up 35 points, and somehow almost squeak out the, the win in general. So, um, <clears throat> damn. It's an L. But two takeaways from this one. Baker and their boys, they played their ass off. And the second is that the Titans can't catch a goddamn thing. Like that was really, really bad. They had a, 
they had plenty of opportunities in the second and third quarter. By the way, I caught last week when I said period, and it was too late. I couldn't edit that out, so mm. I kept it in for for the real ones. Um, anyway, the third and fourth uh, quarter, they had some chances to come back and you know take a lead or at least catch up and tie this game, and they just had some really really bad uncharacteristic drops. They rank like in the the top. I don't even know. I think they were like the top five teams in, in drops this season. So they do a pretty good job of bringing that ball in and they just could not, could not do it. It was, uh, it was tough to watch. You could see the frustration on Tannehill's face. He had teams and uh, he had players in positions and they just could make it happen. Um, this was a big game receiving wise for both teams. Uh, more so for Baker. He had, he was 25 for 33 and four touchdowns, 147 rating on the day. Uh, man, man. I thought you were talking about that Tannehill redemption tour. Uh, yeah, Let us I mean, about the Baker Mayfield redemption tour, buddy. I, I, what I, I got, about that? I got I to gotta hand it to him. I mean, you know, Baker came out and he played incredibly well. Uh, he took care of the ball again. Um, I was a little worried, though, like – they started to show a little bit of their color on the second half of the game. I know some people are going to say, I know you're a big proponent of they took their foot off the gas, but you can't take your foot off the gas against a team like the Titans because they were within a possession of, of winning that game yeah. because all four of his touchdowns were in the first half of the game. The second mm-hmm. half of the game, you know, the Titans kind of figured out. They started stringing together some drives. Um, running on both sides was relatively quiet. This was a mostly air offense that was going on here. Um, an air offense, I mean. Uh, but, yeah, there was, you know, much like the Raiders-Jets game we're going to talk about here in a little bit, they almost, almost found a way to cough this one up towards the end. I think if if the Titans had made just a couple more catches in some of those, you know, long downs or, you know, they made a couple that were, you know, red zone area drops that should have extended either drives or, or put, them, put some points on the board and they didn't, so... Great game for the Browns. I'm glad to see them continuing on this winning, you know, this winning trend. So they got to short up though a little bit, a little bit more work to do. Make sure they're not, you know, making sure they can come in and, and continue to close out in the second half because you score your points in the first half. You still got a whole half of football game you got to worry about. So, but all in all, I can't take anything away from them. I think Baker did a great job. Um, they're turning into a fun team to watch. I think Baker and the whole core is a great team to watch when they're having fun. Oh but when my goodness. All, no, the, no. All, the, all the day ones are just going to go back to episode like five, six, seven, eight, where you were just boo-hoo on Not, Baker Mayfield. And I, I agree. Let's see what happens if he starts having to face some adversity. Football is fun when adversity you're winning and everyone's having a great the time. No, they're eight and three. I, no, but they're on a, a winning streak. They're having a great season. I'm talking about, like, he, he's very much a guy who gets in his feelings when things aren't going well. And, like, we had two seasons of things not going well. So you had that, like, mopey, pouty, Baker, you know, the I'm feeling dangerous. He seems to kind of, you know, this season, separate from the last two seasons, he seemed to have matured a little bit on and off the field. He's not running his mouth quite as much. I still not. I mean, I, I can't say I'm not sold on him because he's doing a hell of a job. So I'm, I, I found myself rooting for him in this game, even though I've been talking about Tannehill 
all season, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I won't, I won't go on to say I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm close. I'm close. All righty. All righty. And if any of you notice, I just used the power of my psychological uh, abilities to get Tim to talk about Baker Mayfield for like seven minutes. So yeah. <laughs> this is real a quick, dub. real quick, as this beer continues on, it's losing its flavor so quickly. Oof. If I had to rate it differently now, nah, I might have. fam, nah, I fam, you get you get that one sip. That's that's how it's it goes. You give me taste. shit for giving it for three point seven five. You had a chance. You had an out, but you didn't do it. it tastes like water right now. Anyway, Uh-oh. carry on. That, that's no good. All right, football team Steelers. <laughs> I said Steelers by ten. Now I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to the tape, but I, I don't think I said. There's no way. But let's be honest. Just picking the Washington football team to beat the ten and zero Steelers. Um. And look, I have talked so much shit about the NFC East, and this is like my apology tour because there are some teams in the NFC East that actually know how to play football and catch you slipping, and that's exactly what happened here. What a hell of a turnaround at the top of this division. When Riverboat Ron said the division is wide open, we're all like, okay, yeah, sure. And now he's hoping that the Giants will lose a couple more games because, to be honest, they might. They might still sneak into the playoffs, which is wild in 2020 and on brand and the NFC East. Like, I don't understand what the Steelers are doing in this game. But a lot that could go wrong definitely did. I mean, people were dropping passes. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm going to put my Tim Spearsy hat on a little bit here, a little tinfoil <laughs> hat, but there were some timely drops and some questionable play calls. If there was a point shaving, you know, scandal, like, I think this game could have could have personified that. But look, let, let's not take away from it. Washington football team out physical the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is insane. The football team, defensive backs, and DNs were leveling people out there in the field. The brutal hits that were coming. Montez Sweat, Chase Young just made life a living hell for the Steelers players. And Alex Smith took a cleat, was bleeding on the leg that wasn't surgically repaired. And mm-hmm. he's like, nah, fam, I'm good. Tape it up. I'm going back in. Um, he went full send this week. He found Cam Sims on a game-changing throw along the sideline. And then he found this guy named Logan Thomas, who no one has been paying attention to all year. Nine receptions, career high, almost 100 receiving yards, touchdown. Just like sapping all of the effort that the Steelers' defense was trying to do. I mean, that doesn't really take away, though, from the colossal mistakes that I feel the Steelers made in this game. Like having four rushers and accumulating 21 yards which is unfucking acceptable in the National Football League. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Mike Tomlin actually came out after this game, and he said people are going to start catching the ball or they're going to hit the bench because we need to we need to have football players that can catch the ball. And I understand he was yeah, he's being Mike Tomlin. He was just saying his thing. He's probably had some conversations with folks like Deontay Johnson and uh, Eric Ebron. I mean, Johnson redeemed himself in this game. He had the touchdown. But Ebron had a couple key drops, and Ebron's had a couple key, key drops this season. And I think a lot of people are kind of hitting their limit with him. Um, 72 Dolphins, you can rest easy. I mean, I still do think the Steelers could lose a game or two. But, I mean, 2020 is wild. I've been telling you, they were due for, uh, they were due for a loss. All, not because their record continued on. It just felt like there was an opportunity and the team was going to capitalize. And What a great story by, uh, about Alex Smith. That's Comeback player of the year. I don't want to hear nobody else even giving a vote for someone yeah. else who had a bad season last year and is making waves this year. Cameron Gerald Newton, love you. 
that you're a great football player. I don't want you getting no comeback of the year votes. Like, yeah, man, almost lost team a leg. surgeries. <laughs> yeah, you didn't almost lose your leg. You didn't come back and you immediately get strip sacked by Aaron Donald and still continue to play football. It's Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. Anything else, we yeah. riot. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to power through some of these just because they were, uh, you know, get you guys in and out of here because we've been dragging ass the last uh, the last couple episodes. So I had Jets Raiders. Um, I said last week, I thought the Jets had a chance. It was probably going to be the Raiders, but I thought the Jets had a chance. And it turns out the Jets had more than a chance. They literally <laughs> almost won this game. <laughs> uh, uh, it it took it. some, yeah, it took some last minute heroics by Carr to prevent that from happening. But that was ultimately what led to the firing of Greg Williams was the all out blitz he called on the last drive that would have sealed the game, but instead left some of his receivers wide open who caught you know, with 30 seconds left, a 40-yard bomb, and then ran for a touchdown, ultimately sealing their loss yet. Again, um, Darnold looked, you know, mediocre in this one, 14 of 23, 186 yards. He did throw two touchdowns, but he did lose two fumbles, and they still almost got this one out. And what's more shocking is when you read car stats, like something doesn't seem to make sense here. Like, let me read that again. Darnold, 14, 186 yards, two touchdowns. Derek Carr, 28 to 47 with 381 yards and three touchdowns. Unfortunately, one of those three came with 30 seconds left in the game. It's, it was unreal. Uh, it just sort of culminates what the Jets season has been. Um, the fact that they were in this game with that little output is just unreal. But yeah, peak twenty twenty, it peaked twenty twenty, and it, it makes you kind of wonder what Adam Gase is doing or or what he seems to have on the team because you come out another loss in a game you should have won. Ultimately, you are responsible for the coaches on your team, and you are the one that bears the brunt when your team falls short. And instead of firing you. They fired the defensive coordinator like that. That doesn't make sense. You have been a terrible coach since you took over that franchise. Uh, yet everyone around you is falling on the sword. This is going to turn out to be a free vacation for Greg Williams. And thankfully he got out a little early. So he has some extra time off because that team is just a, a complete dumpster fire. It's bad. It's wicked bad. Y'all uh, <laughs> Jags Vikings. And I said Vikings by seven. Look, Kirk Cousins would like to have a word with America about him not winning big games because he's doing it. And it doesn't seem like it, okay? But this game was huge. Because now Minnesota is six and six. And they're in the wild card spot. When most teams were were most people were thinking this team was left for dead a few weeks ago after they slumped. Now they were aided by a lot of tumbling in the standings by other teams. But that's fine. That's what you have to do. You have to go out there and play the game on Sunday. Okay. And the Vikings look like they regained their footing here. Kirk Another 300 passing yards, three touchdown game. Dalvin Cook, 120 yards. Justin Jefferson, first Vikings rookie receiver since Randy Moss with 1,000 yards. He wasn't even the, the initial target for the first two games, and he's on pace to reach a Vikings rookie record. Imagine if they had started him. I mean, this game went to overtime, and it really shouldn't have because it's, it's insane. Like, the Vikings were clearly the better team defensively, um, but I guess when you're paying – or all that money, and you're playing against Mike Glennon, you're like, 
one of the teams going to give up the ball. And that's what happened, right? Kirk gave a pick six, kind of kept the game a lot closer. Now, I got to hand it to the Jags. They are making a real effort of being 1-11, okay? I mean, I think that they wanted the Jets to lose so they could win, so they could be eking out in the lead for the tank for Trevor Sweepstakes, but it didn't happen. But look, this is a wild stat that doesn't matter, okay? Mike Lennon hit eight different receivers, seven of them for double digits. If they had managed to hang on and win this game by a field goal, we're 100% talking about that and how the Vikings are just T-R-A-S-H. But I got to be honest. The Jags, even though they're 1-11, have found a way to keep teams feeling the pressure. And that means in the future, those teams that play the Jags need to be careful. Dolphins, Bengals. So for me, the Bengals are a tough one to pick against, not because I think they're going to win a ton of games, but it's because of what they've been able to do so far this season. They're one of those that you find yourself kind of rooting for, but when your quarterback goes down for this season, probably part of next season, it's really hard to overcome. It's kind of exactly what we saw here. This game was a bit of of a snooze fest. Miami and Cincy both scoring only one offensive touchdown apiece. Uh, it did move the ball around quite a bit. He collected 296 yards in the air while still managing to take care of the ball. He has seven touchdowns through the first five starts with zero turnovers. <clears throat> the first rookie quarterback to do that since 1950. So it does look more and more like the move to Tua was the right move. Feel a little bad for Fitzpatrick. You hope they go with Tua and they stay with Tua. So we're done going all this crazy back and forth. But, um, uh, yeah, so far it seems like it's working. Man, crazy. Also, I'm brand for 2020, though. All right, Colts, Texas. <laughs> I said Texas by a field goal. And I'm shaking my head. Maybe I should have asked myself on the football flow chart, who is the better head coach? Because that's what this game came down to. Texans lost 26 to 20. And that's what's going to happen when you cough the ball up on the two yard line, down six. And you don't recover. I mean, that's brutal. But that's 2020. And, and 2020 has been especially brutal for the Texans losing their coach. Players, you know, getting suspended for PEDs. And other players openly suggesting that they're not here for a rebuild. Now, the Colts were absolutely atrocious on third down. Three for 11. Okay. But their defense, as I've been saying for a while now, is enough to bail them out. And that's what happened here. Now, look, the Texans get to face the Bears, Colts again, Bengals, and the Titans coming up. I think they can go 2-2 two and two in those games. But a 6-10 and 10 season for Deshaun Watson and a team that includes J.J. Watt and a team that is D-U-N done and not going to make the postseason by this point. I mean, what a year. Just oh, brutal. Speaking of brutal, Lions... And the Bears. I said the Bears, <laughs> if they start Trubisky. Uh, and I'll eat another L because they did start Trubisky, but no, they didn't get the win. Felt the Lions 34 uh, 30. But Stafford had a great game 402 yards, 27 42, had three touchdowns. His fifth game in his career with 400 yards and three touchdowns. They did have to come from behind after the Bears. <clears throat> they came out strong in the first half, but. They fell pretty quiet in the second half. So this one, you know, got out, got away from, I think, somewhat early. On a positive note, Trubisky 
didn't have a pick in this game, which is if you're coming out of this looking for a positive, picks were a big problem for the first portion of the season. He had one uh, last week when they brought him in, managed to take care of the ball. He did fumble, though. Uh, we talk about lots of quarterbacks that seem to fumble. It seems like quarterbacks mm. had a hard time holding on mm-hmm. to the ball this weekend. Um, but Peterson. Peterson is the big story here. The old guy is still making it happen. He had two more touchdowns this weekend, two more last weekend. That man is still getting it done. His 28th game of his career with multiple touchdowns. That puts him in third place behind LaDamian Tomlinson, who had 38, and Emmett Smith, who had 36, which is crazy to see that he is still just chugging along week in and week out. And he has a couple more games this season to kind of you know pad those stats a little bit and i think he has maybe another year or so on his contract so um great to you know i was praising the old guys last weekend continue praising him this weekend good for him as a member of the old guy committee we we wholeheartedly (laughs) embrace the adrian peterson resurgence all right i I will say real quick that if you are going to i mean there's lots to take away as a positive from the bears perspective like as long as you got you got to find a quarterback and stick with it Trubisky showed a little bit this weekend that he 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 can get in, he can manage the ball, and he can put you in a position to win. Ultimately, they just obviously came up short. So, mm. yes, indeed, <clears throat> peak twenty twenty or peak bears or both. They're the same. <laughs> They're interchangeable. We're, we're about to get into some more peak twenty twenty in a second. <laughs> oh God, uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, Saints Falcons. Look, I said upset Falcons. God damn it! I just needed the Falcons to make sure that Taysom Hill. That the hype train wasn't going to explode. And guess what? It has, okay? I mean, the Falcons scored the last time in this game with seven minutes to go. Ten-yard touchdowns to strike to Russell Gage. They weren't able to get anything going after that, and they lost by six points. Like, bro. Really? I mean, if you can hold a team like the Saints to a touchdown per quarter, you have to be able to win this game. You just do. Especially if you're Matt Ryan and the Falcons, because you have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley both healthy. You should, you should, you should have won that. I mean, I wouldn't assume that Taysom Hill, who's beginning to cool off, he only threw one passing touchdown and he and he ran for another one. Like, that's gotta be enough because Michael Thomas was catching a whole bunch of passes, but he didn't catch the touchdown. And Alvin Kamara is still doing Alvin Kamara things, but Alvin Kamara can't beat you by himself. So what happened? I mean, now the Saints are this team where, like, unless you trade punches with them, they're going to leave you behind. And even though the score will be close, it's not really close. And, again, if you're the Bucs, you're looking at, at, at the fact that you were close enough to possibly challenge them for the division, even though they swept you, and now that's a pipe dream. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I really thought that the Falcons were going to turn a corner with interim head coach Raheem Morris after uh, Dan Quinn's firing, and they've been really good, brilliant spots of football. And then quizzical games like this where they were in a position to win and couldn't couldn't capitalize. So sorry, Atlanta fans. <clears throat> I'm gonna stop you before you even go. I'm going on you, but I'm saying you said last week, Tim, Seahawks, but it will be close. God damn it, Tim, and I'm going on you. Not only <clears throat> sorry, gotta get myself ready here. Not only did I say it was going to be close. I actually said I thought there was a strong possibility they might lose this game, to which you 
naysayed me and poo-pooed all over it. And I said, no, don't get me wrong. I do think the Seahawks are going to win, but I could see this being a game that potentially could get away from them. When you go into halftime and you're winning 5 nothing, which I don't know the last time I ever heard that as a score going mm-hmm. into halftime. Um, mm-hmm. This was just like a bizarre thing to watch on both yep. sides, both sides of the ball. Yeah. If you're, I mean, the Giants will say they're riding some momentum. It's their fourth straight. Uh, but, but, got to talk about your boy who got right back on that turnover horse again. A fumble, an interception, <laughs> just not getting it done. I mean, he was 20, 27 and 43. He had 263 yards. Only had one touchdown, so it was another game where he was putting up some decent numbers, just not closing people out. Some of that has to do with the Giants, I think, kind of figuring out. You're starting to see a lot of these teams that just came out and got do- that just came out and were dominating teams out of the gate, starting to have a little trouble as teams start game planning. We're going to get into one here in a little bit that I think took everyone by surprise, including myself, but. This one, it's just an interesting one. It had all the buildup of like a cool story because you have the Jets, uh, the Giants, sorry, on their three-game streak. You had Colt McCoy coming in for the first time since October uh, 27th of 2014. And he beat the Seahawks and Russell Wilson with 105 yards and an interception. The man threw the ball 22 times, only connected with 13 of those. And he got sacked a bunch. Now, Russell Wilson also got sacked a bunch. He got sacked five times in this game for like pretty big yardage. I think he, I think he ended up like forty-seven or some odd yards. Um, some of them just got caught in a scramble trying to extend plays, ended up getting brought down. So it's the, the Seahawks continued. I mean, a lot of these teams are, are turning into sort of interesting storylines. The Giants are one of those. They're finding ways to string games together. Uh, in a weird division that they're in. Um, it's, I think this goes to speak more towards sort of the up and down feel you get from Seattle week in and week out. They're the favorite that you're going to bet on almost all of the time, but they've had a couple of these games where they really should have won uh, that they didn't or games that they should have come in and really won. And they like squeaked out wins with last minute drives or, Russ coughing the ball up. We spent a lot of time talking about turnovers from a guy like Tom Brady or Carson Wentz. or A lot of these other guys, Russ is in a lot of those same conversations. You start comparing touchdowns to interceptions. The difference is the Seahawks are finding ways to continue to win games. And a lot of those, those other teams are losing games, which separates it. So I think at the end of this, he's buying his defense some you know some wristwatches or some cars or something because they're keeping him in games. I mean, you, you can't take anything away from Russ because he throws the ball all over the place, he extends plays, he runs well, so he does deserve to win those. But behind all of that, there is this monkey in the room that is these. Uh, there's elephant in the room. Sorry, you, there is this thing lurking around that is turnovers. You start getting a couple guys dropping balls like we saw both in uh, for Pittsburgh. We saw it on the, the Titans side. 
some of those drops start to add up or something like yeah, Metcalf goes down yeah. with an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very different looking team where they're relying solely on their offensive output. And you find stop the offensive output. You might be able to find a way to squeak some of these wins out because the defense can't even stop Colt McCoy. Interesting little storyline that I think <laughs> is building up there behind the scenes. So, you know, I got something and I'll preview it in next week's game for the Seahawks. But, uh, as you can tell, I'm quite somber. Um, yeah. We had a friend over this weekend. He's a he's a longtime Giants fan. And yeah. Shout out to shout out to all the Giants fans. Uh, we're gonna name this episode the one where Russ doesn't matter because it was an atrocious game. But um, did every matter. one every one of them was in my mentions and texted me <laughs> at the end of this game. Every and I and I deserved it. I, you know, yeah. I talked so much so much smack. Oh my gosh! Now, t- now if. If Seattle, let's say Seattle was a 500 team, which they're andering towards, uh, but let's say Seattle was a 500 team, do you think the turnovers would get as much of a, as much attention as they are everywhere else? Because they don't seem to be getting a lot of attention. We were still talking as, MVP for like six weeks, seven weeks into the season. When yeah, he was he was keeping on track with like other lesser quarterbacks who had the same amount of turnovers, but they were winning a lot of games, so it didn't matter. Yeah. I, I would say that uh, <clears throat> should they be closer to the mean, as a as a member of Seahawks Twitter, every one of those turnovers just bristles through us with hate yeah. and indignance yeah, yeah. because he just doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I was very very. <clears throat> I, I don't want to spend any more time talking about it. My therapist told me I shouldn't uh, <laughs> should dwell on these things. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to later on, anyways. All right, Rams yeah. Cardinals. <clears throat> I said Rams got to win this game, keep up with the Seahawks, and I think they do it. And God damn it, they did it. Okay, here's your stats, don't matter, take version 2.0. If I told you there was one quarterback who had three touchdowns, one interception, 173 total yards versus a touchdown with one, I mean, versus a quarterback with one touchdown, zero interceptions, and 351 yards, and ask you who won that game, you're probably telling me quarterback A. That would be fair. You know, three passing touchdowns versus one passing touchdown. You're probably going to stand a really good chance to win that game. But you'd be wrong because quarterback A was Kyler Murray. And that one interception was a pick six that totally cratered any chance the Cardinals had of a comeback. And the, the Rams, <clears throat> effective on the ground, decided this was going to be the game. They were going to shred a team through the air. And Goff made his money, that's for sure, because he tossed it all over the place. And your pick preseason of the Rams is now terrifying me because the Rams have woken up from whatever slumber, whatever stump they had early on. And that's going to be a lot of teams' problems going forward, especially Seattle's. Oh, uh, speaking of games we didn't see coming, Patriots-Chargers. I said it was going to be the Chargers because the Pats were going to do newly formed Pats things. Holy shit. Uh, Not only did I get this wrong, Vegas got this wrong. Everybody got this wrong. This is the third game in a row where New England has gone in as the underdog and won, except instead of the other game, so they found a way to squeak out a win. They blew the Chargers out of the water. It was 45. Unbelievable. 45. Nothing. Cam Newton rushing two touchdowns. This was one of those games that almost nobody anticipated. I thought there was a chance 
they'd find a way to get the running game going, which is what they did. Uh, and it would say somewhat interesting. It's very strange to look at a New England team as a New England fan and see a, a game solely reliant on the running game. But that is exactly what this one was. I mean, there was a lot of defense that went into this one. The defense is really what shut this game down. The offense was just able to capitalize on what was had. They had two picks off of Justin Herbert that they were able to convert into to points. Um, they had a punt return. They had a blocked field goal that got ran back. It was just unreal. Uh, Gunner, I can't even say his last name. I think it's Olesky or Oshevsky. Yeah, like that. yeah, I think it's Oshevsky. Uh, that man was an animal. He played special teams. He played offense. He was just an animal. He scored a receiving touchdown. He was out blocking. It was fun to watch him play. Do I expect that every week? No, but they held the Chargers to 209 yards in the air and zero touchdowns. It's very difficult to, pit, to pitch a shutout in this kind of league, especially when you're someone like the Patriots, who let's not forget are missing like three or four of their premier starters because they opted out of COVID uh, because of COVID. But man, Cam Newton threw, get this, 69 yards. That was it. <laughs> nice. Totally yardage. <laughs> uh, he had 48 yards running and he had two touchdowns. At the end of all this, there was really only three offensive touchdowns that were scored. This was mostly a special teams affair. Um, had some great balance defensively. Again, it was like the perfect game. This is what happens when you take a rookie quarterback and he goes up against one of the best game planners that has ever coached team in the entire NFL, and they just shut him down. You literally said, look, our quarterback doesn't matter. We're still going to win this game. Uh, we talked about how this was a, a running game. I mean, combined, he only had like 150 yards on the ground. That's 48 of those went to Cam Newton. Damian Harris carried it a bunch. Sonny Michelle got involved. He carried it for 35. But again, like, not, a single receiver didn't break 40 yards. Everyone had 40 yards or less. So when you look at that score and then you look at the, the numbers, like, there is a discrepancy there between how that happened. And this one was just a special teams. A special teams has plagued the Chargers all season. Uh, if anyone was going to get fired coming off of this weekend, you thought it would have been their special teams coordinator. Unfortunately, they're already on to their new special teams coordinator uh, who is also struggling. So they got a lot of ground to make up. This opens a lot of eyes for, I think, teams across the league. I mean, let's not get too crazy. The Chargers are still three and nine. I mean, it's not like they're, uh, a fantastic team, but they are a team like we've said in the last couple weeks who have lost multiple games by a possession or field goal. Like they have more of those losses than any other team in the division. So they're are in, in the league. So their record doesn't necessarily reflect the quality of the team. They just have some tough breaks or have missed, you know, just a few key plays that could have turned those games around. Um, but to see a team, who's kind of been really up and down like the Patriots. I mean, they're struggling to stay at 500 to just demolish a team like that was surprising. And I think got the attention of a lot of, uh, a lot of teams across the league. Yeah, it sure did. 
especially got the attention of a lot of folks who got really suckered into starting Austin Eckler coming off IR because you thought, oh, he's going to score so much points. And he, he kind of did. Yeah. But we're, we're looking for the future. But yeah, that was that was this, that was masterful. This is also an example as to why you never start a Patriots running back on your fantasy team because you never know who who's going to be that guy this week. There's a guy in my league who has uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, I think he has a Patriots receiver, and he also has a Patriots running back, and he scored a, a butt ton of points this weekend. <laughs> he really mm. did. <laughs> it's just it's just the way she goes. All right, Eagles Packers. That was the uh, it was a, yeah the Sunday night game. I, I said the Packers ground game. There's no way the Eagles win, and guess what? There was no way the Eagles are going to win this game because. Aaron Jones, 77-yard break-free touchdown in the fourth quarter, confirms what we already know, and that's that the Pack can score a crap ton of points when they want to. Jones had more rushing yards at 130 than the entire Eagles team did, and the Eagles finally benched Carson Wentz. Sorry, Wentz on a bench. That's what I wanted to say. I've been seeing it on social media all day. It was in my head. They finally benched him, and what do you know? Uh, The Eagles finally scored some points with Jalen Hurts coming in. Right, he he converted like a fourth, and I think thirteen for like thirty yards or something like that. He he just changed the tone of the game. But whereas the Eagles are still trying to figure out what they're going to do with their twenty-four million dollar man, the Packers were just on cruise control. Like the Eagles just had no answer, as most teams do for Devonte Adams. Uh, he went over one hundred and twenty yards, two scores again. Rodgers has now thrown four hundred touchdowns. He's the fastest quarterback in history to do it. And it was in 12 less games, and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning did it. So that's insane. The Eagles kept it interessante. They blocked a punt, and they returned it 73 yards to bring this game within seven, but they missed the extra points because Eagles. Now, maybe if you don't score three points for the first three quarters of this game, the Eagles have a chance to upset here. But they didn't do that. Um, Because if you continue to make mistakes against great teams, you're going to pay the price eventually. All you're doing is betting it all on black and hoping that it comes up. And that price was Aaron Jones just breaking the backs of Eagles defenders and putting this game out of reach. Eagles quarterback sacked seven times total between the two of them. That's not a good look for your squad. I understand that you have injuries in the offensive line. I understand that you're moving uh, Jason Kelsey from center to guard. I understand that you benched a guy before the game because of conduct unbecoming but you've also had people on the offensive line that have had medical issues you've had people on the offensive line you can't keep healthy after you you draft them or bring them into free agency and your running game is kind of non-existent and as many eagles fans will tell you carson wentz does not have people to throw to say what you want about about jalen rager it was a punt return touchdown it was amazing you have a very big problem you paid a quarterback a lot of money, and you needed to have spent that money in other facets of your team. You not only doubled down on paying that quarterback money, but you drafted his replacement. And that looks like for the next few games, at least the next game, he's going to be the starter. So is the future here now? Because I think it is. So the Broncos-Chiefs game was kind of an interesting one. Uh, it continues the streak of the Chiefs playing towards the level of their opponents, which is not the first time that's happened this week. They almost lost to 
the Patriots. There's several teams that, you know, they were really close to coughing up a loss to. Um, recently, they've had sort of this weird thing over the last two games. They are 0-7 in the red zone in their last seven attempts, which is pretty shocking for a team like that. But obviously, you know, they found a way to win uh, 22-16. It was a close one. Broncos had moments where they shined and did look pretty well, uh, looked pretty good. Melvin Gordon came out. He had 131 yards. He was literally putting up yardage all over the place. It's his most since, I want to say, like mid to late 2018. Uh, Tim Patrick, his first career game with multiple receiving touchdowns, he received, uh, he had only had four touchdowns all together entering this game. Uh, so the Denver Broncos found ways to kind of string this together. It was just a weird game for the Chiefs, even though Travis Kelsey came out and put up a ton of yardage. Uh, Thank God. Up. My fantasy team needed every <laughs> one of those points. Appreciate it, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he had 136 yards. Uh, I mean, he's already got 1,000 yards on the season. So, I mean, you, you can't take anything away from They're still winning, but it is this weird habit of them playing down to the level of the opponents that they're playing against. We saw it a lot with the, the Patriots during the peak of their run where they would go up against teams that would barely win against some some teams with like drastically losing records. Just like, what the hell is going on? Is this like a, an off week or, or what's going on? I think what you're starting to see is obviously we're getting into week 14. You're starting to see teams who have tapes again. They've had plenty of time. They worked out their new guys, everyone's back in the system, and everything just kind of lagged behind. This should have all happened, you know, three or four weeks ago. But now that everybody's getting in the groove, they're figuring out the flow of, of things, and they're, you know, being able to match up appropriately against other teams, I think you're going to start seeing more of these closer matchups. Like you saw the Steelers lost. You saw the Chiefs come out of a close game um, for a portion of that game. You saw Green Bay come out and, and have a little bit of trouble against the Eagles. We saw the Giants beat the Seahawks and the Eagles played them tough last weekend too. So you're starting to see teams start putting together some of these game plans that I think are going to start bringing the mean up. Some of these teams that are sub 500 are probably going to fluctuate back up towards 500. You're going to have some of these teams who have just rolled through everybody. The first half of the season start to come down. Unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time that you get a good picture of what the playoffs are going to look like. I mean, the, the chiefs, clinch their playoff spot already with this win. So it's not like it's really going to change anything. Instead, what you're going to see is what teams could have looked like had we had that normal three to four week stretch of preseason games and extra practice to get everybody in sync and just to get everybody some reps where if we were week 10 and we were starting to see some of that happen, the rest of the season would be a little bit more up in the air. But um, again, Another uh, another interesting one from from the Chiefs. Thirty fifth win for Patrick Mahomes ties Kurt Warner for the third fewest starts to reach that. Um, Three hundred eighteen yards. He only had one passing touchdown. Like we said, I we we had talked about the the Bucks Chiefs game last week where Tyreek Hill came out and had that explosive first half, and I said okay, but. He didn't do much in the second half because they made some halftime adjustments and they took him out of the game. They basically took him out of the game this entire game 
he had a total uh, when you when you see what happened last week and you're like okay well that's the play now across the board uh he had 60 no he had 58 yards for the entire game he did have that one touchdown he didn't know it was a touchdown i mean you can't blame him nobody knew that was a touchdown uh and they didn't even challenge it that was the worst part that's 2020 yeah i mean but what what would cause you to challenge that he didn't know he caught it so he didn't mention it you saw the ball floating around and bouncing all over the place you had no idea that happened to bounce off two helmets and get stuck between the defensive players forearm and hill on the way down so i i I don't fault them for not challenging it it didn't look like a catch but yeah i mean it goes to show that teams are starting to game plan they literally took hill out of the game for the most part i mean we're used to seeing the, the the high output but 58 yards is you know a decent game still he had 250 yards in the first half of last week. So, well, it's it's another one of those sort of just interesting things to watch as the season progresses. If teams have started to figure it out too little too late, but might make for some pretty interesting uh, early round playoff games if teams like this can come in and squeak out a win or put up competitive games against the Chiefs. You might see them get bounced early. That would be absolutely wild. Um, yeah. Ravens, Cowboys. Um, when we set this this up, obviously that was thinking they were going to be uh, one of those late games, but because of coronavirus, they have moved the game. It is actually going on an hour after we record this. So I'm going to stick with my prediction. Ravens get right as long as the COVID-19 players on reserve come back, which Lamar Jackson is. So we're not going to see an RG3 game. So I think it's going to bounce back, but we'll see what happens. All right, Niners Bills to wrap up week 13. I thought it would be the Bills. The Niners find a way to keep it interesting. Uh that that is not not what happened. They did not keep it all that interesting. Um Buffalo came out. Uh San, San Fran did I, let me backtrack. San Francisco, the Niners, they came out, they put up a touchdown early and you're like, "Oh, all right. Nick Mullins is looking okay." He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's a pretty good decision maker. You saw a lot of that as the game went on. You saw him making some good timing plays. You saw him making some good reads. Doesn't have the strongest arm, so he's going to have to rely a lot on, on, in my opinion, what Jimmy Garoppolo is. and That's a quality game manager where you're recognizing your opportunities. You're taking advantage of those. You're not dropping dimes downfield. You're not hitting crazy go routes, you know, over the shoulder. They're just finding ways to to win games, and and Nick Mullins is one of those guys that's going to find ways to do that. Um, unfortunately, after that first touchdown, they gave up 17 points, and then they basically traded for the rest of the game. Uh, the Bills took this one 34-30. Um, Josh Allen is one of those guys that should be more in the conversation for maybe some of that MVP talk now that everybody is kind of fluctuating back towards the mean you have Pittsburgh and and Ben Roethlisberger for me is a clear runaway because of what they've done over there. But now that they've lost the game, let's say they lose a few more. Okay. Now they're back in the same conversation and they're looking at the same record as the bills. How do the bills fit into this? But if you look at the bills over the last few years and then what they've done this season, it's a, a pretty crazy turnaround we all thought with Cam Newton getting signed to the Patriots, this is going to be back to the Patriots division. The Bills are going to be, you know, second fiddle. This is the Bills division now. Everyone else is looking up at them. They're the ones that everyone's chasing. They're sitting at nine and three. This is another game where he came out and showed that he has the ability to be a fantastic 
quarterback. He went 32 of 40, 375 yards, had four, uh, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He did fumble twice, which everyone seems to have fumbled this weekend. He did lose one of those, but he came out. He played well. He had 139.1 rating, so he, he did everything he needed to do against the Niners team we thought was going to be a little bit more competitive. Nick Mullins, again, decent outing, 26, 39, 316 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks, right? So he's still got some growing to do. He's still a young guy trying to, you know, figure out what's going on there. Uh, Niners, they're in, they're in tough shape until some of their guys come back. They shake some of those injury bugs, which probably won't be until next season, but the Bills are going to be a fun one to watch. The Bills are going to play a couple upsets, and I think they're they're one of the teams to watch for the first few rounds of the, the playoffs, at least. The one thing I will say is that I have some friends that are huge Bills fans. <clears throat> and, of course, like I talk trash about the NFC East. I talk trash about the Bills. And uh, then Seattle lost to the Bills. So now I've been like – it's like a talisman. Like I have to like – I need this this friend of mine to like comment on the the – the, the Facebook post <laughs> I put up because if she doesn't, then it like we lose the game. And she's like, Oh, I was late. Did you lose? I'm like, Yes, yes, Denise, yeah. we lost because <laughs> you didn't do your part, even though the Seattle Seahawks are just like cratering. Um, yeah. you know, I so mean, it's Col- like one of those, it's one of those weird things. But like, I saw a funny meme and it it said Josh Allen first two seasons and it showed a stormtrooper and it said Josh Allen now and it showed a picture of John Wick. And that is kind of what's happening. Like, the yeah. dude is decisively accurate. Yeah, he's huge first of all so he's this menacing figure that you have to be able to look out for on the run but he's one of those guys that at any point can turn it on when you pair up and you get in a groove with one of your wide receivers like he did in this one with cole beasley they connected for 130 yards like it's anytime you can do that i mean stefan diggs had a hell of a game he had 92 yards gabriel davis had i want to say like i don't 60 or 70 yards as well so he was literally just slinging the ball all over the place, connecting with almost anybody he wanted. Again, he only missed uh, eight of those throws, and several of those were throwaways to avoid taking a sack. He only took one sack on the day. So that's one thing I, I, I wish we could. I'm going to try and work on that, finding ways to separate uh, throwaways versus incompletes, because that would be a good one. We always see a lot of the higher-end quarterbacks like Tom Brady always looks like he's closer to like a 30, 40% completion ratio, but then look at how many of those are throwaways to avoid sacks. Everybody does them. Everybody at that level who recognizes what's at stake does that across the board. Russ, what a breeze. Yeah. What a beautiful personification of stats. Don't matter. That's right. (laughs) That's right. All right, moving on. That was unlucky week 13. Okay, mm, and, and I previewed mm-hmm. it last week. I said, oh, maybe not so lucky. Wish I hadn't said that. I wish I'd go back and take that back, but I can't. It's an infamy now. Uh, moving on to week 14. Starting off Thursday night football, Patriots-Rams. Mm. You know the, the crazy thing? Justin Herbert tossed it 53 times and only had 209 yards against the Patriots. Now, you're going to say this is crazy, but Belichick has already beat this team in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where arguably they had a better running game. And they haven't changed it, like very much the defensive pieces except for Ramsey. So you just scheme away from him. Like the Patriots seem to be finally gelling ish. Mm-hmm. And whenever you get a chance to get your backup quarterback in the game and throw a touchdown like they did last week with Jared Stidham, you got to feel good. <clears throat> now, I don't think they're going to stump the Rams like they did the Chargers, but 
I do think Cameron Jarrell Newton will lead this team to one hell of an upset win on Thursday Night Football. Patriots. I uh, I will say I got a little giddy inside when I saw Stidham come in and march him <laughs> down the field a little bit because I was like, ooh, what's about to that, happen that's because That's consistent quarterback, yeah, but you, you don't want to hear that. <clears throat> he went two for three, and he had 61 <laughs> yards. And two for touchdown. three? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, let's, no. Let's, let's throw him in the I'm MVP saying, vote. No, I'm saying it only took him two completions to make it 61 yards and a touchdown. That, I don't care what system you think you're playing in. That was damn good when you're going up against a team who couldn't stop the run but seemed to stop the uh, the passing. All right. So I agree. I, 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 I agree. I, I, I wish we got to see more of him. I'm almost team. Let's let's just make that switch. I mean, your your starter had 70, 70 yards. Let's if you could win a game without throwing a passing touchdown or without eclipsing hundred yards, go do it. Stats don't matter. This is what the podcast is about, Tim. Come on. No, I know, but it's not every game where your special team is going to get you two touchdowns. So that's mm, all. Maybe not. Uh, Vikings, Buccaneers. Um, this one I think is going to be a closer one because these teams are, in my eyes, almost equal. Uh, I think the Buccaneers, and they're kind of up and down last few weeks. I think they're prime for a stellar game coming off of a bye. Uh Vikings, I you know, I, I I tend to waver a little bit in my confidence week in and week out with them. I think Cousins and those guys are are doing a decent job of stringing some games together. But I think this one's gonna come out a little bit of rest, some some extra time with the guys to, you know, work on their sort of gelling and, and timing and whatnot. I think this one's gonna be a Buccaneers one. And I think this could be one that uh, yeah, comes out as almost a statement piece. Ooh. Yeah. Statement yeah, yeah. piece. Putting it in the notes. <clears throat> All right. Cardinals Giants. All right. Hear me out. Talked a lot of shit about the NFC East this season. This is my uh, apology tour. I already said it. I shouldn't have done that. We forget. Maybe the Giants were a team that won a Super Bowl off a wild card spot. That side, that that kind of institutional luck, you know what I mean, just doesn't evaporate just because you change coaches or general managers. There's something about that. It's like lore, right? And for a long time, it was that way with the Cleveland Browns. They just couldn't get out of their own way. Now they seem to be cleansing the organization a little bit. Look, you got to give credit where it's due. The Giants have a defense that no one seems to respect until after they play a game against them. For some reason, the Giants players and schemes are often joked about until a team plays a game against them. The Giants could put this division away this week with a win against a slumping Cardinals team. And look, we got to talk. Kyler Murray might be hurt. I mean, when he played that second game against Seattle, his arm wasn't the same. He's thrown some touchdowns and he's had some quick flashes of the pan, but he's not really been a prolific passer since that second uh, matchup against them. If we're being honest, this game has trap written all over it. The Cardinals need to come correct or they're going to get upset by the giants. And that's what I see happening because let's think about this. The giants beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks have beaten the Cardinals, which means ipso facto, the Giants have a shot in this game. And I think if you, if you get a shot, you got to come correct if the division's on the line. And I think it is because the Cardinals can't win the division at this point. So I believe that the Giants are going to shock us again. They're going to win a fifth game in a row. Ooh, you thought that one was hot. 
No way. <laughs> no way. No we got, way. We got Chiefs, Dolphins, and I'm going to take the Dolphins this week. What? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Dolphins. So, the Dolphins are playing pretty well for the most part. I know they had uh, Tua with his, was he hurt? Was he not hurt? Benched for Fitzpatrick. And, you know, they'll never really come out and tell us what that was all about. But he was in, and he's doing well. And the Chiefs have shown a lot of vulnerability and literally just almost lost this game this last week. And I think they're prime for another one. They're, yeah, they're 11 and one, but I think they very easily could be a closer to like, you know, nine and three team or some of these other teams with some of these close games that they've had. I think the Dolphins have one of those matchups where that could potentially happen. If they follow sort of what's gone on over the last few weeks, and if the Chiefs continue their red zone struggles. They're going to put themselves in a position for a team to capitalize on that. And I think Tua is going to come in. You're going to look at the pack. You're going to look at the matchup between him and Patrick. All eyes are going to be on Tua to see how he responds in this sort of level. I think they're going to take this one out. I think if they don't, they're just going to get their ass kicked and they're just going to get totally smashed. Like this is going to go one way or the other. I think they're going to win. But if they don't, it's going to be a very, very ugly game. And you might see. Uh, you might see the the nod to the bench for for Fitzpatrick. I'm not necessarily. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing like a shootout between these two guys. I'm, it, it's either going to be a win or a blowout. I'm wow. Going I'm going. All win. right. All right. You know, sometimes you got to get lucky. You know, shout out to Robin Hood. You got to pick those stocks. You don't think you're going to blow up overnight, and then then they do. Penny so, stocks, uh, baby, full life. <laughs> oh my god. Get out of here, Jordan Belfort. Get that get that Kodak. Get that Kodak. Get, get your genius going. This, this is not a this is not a this is not a suggestion for you to go get any of those stocks. Let me just say that. We're we don't yeah, get don't an do SEC, that now. SEC filing against us. We're not you doing mi- that. You you missed that boat. Don't do that. Don't do any of those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Faux show. All right, you got Titans Jags. I gotta be honest, I feel bad for the Jaguars, okay? They were gonna win the tank for Trevor sweepstakes. Until Greg Williams, or the artist formerly known as the Jets defensive coordinator, he sent the house to Derek Carr with seconds to go, and Derek Carr burned him. Now he's fired. Now the Jags have to, to face a pissed-off Titans team because they just lost a game they should have been able to win against the Browns. I'm sorry, Jags fans, but this is going to get ugly. If you have something going on during the 1 o'clock hour, peep in for you know the first half. But if it gets out of control... Just turn it off because Titans by 10 at least. Cowboys, Bengals. If you asked me about this game five weeks ago, I would have said Bengals without batting an eye. Uh, I got to go Cowboys this week because the Cowboys have been stringing together a couple solid weeks where they've put up some pretty competitive games against some good teams. Uh, and the Bengals are just, you know, still trying to figure out what their, what their plan is and, you know, we said with Burroughs going down, that was kind of the end of their season. I still think that's the case. I I know they have almost squeaked out a few of them. I know they've they've strung together some good possessions, but I think the Cowboys are are finding their way a little bit. Uh, and I think the Red Rockets going to come out and and put up a couple points on this one. I think it's called the Red Rifle, but I guess you just you promoted nah. them. <laughs> I uh, no, I that was on purpose. 
Uh, for the day ones, the subliminals. Here we go. <clears throat> Texans Bears. Look, I think the only thing more 2020 than the Texans losing a fumble down six against a division opponent last week would be getting crushed by an NFC North team that they have no business losing to because they're really no better. Chicago has a better coach than the Texans. Chicago has a better defense than the Texans. Maybe. But the Texans need to win this game to keep their players and their team community together. Now, that I think is going to be the answer of which Mitch Trubisky is not. And in case you forgot, the Bears were 5-1 and one at one point this season, and now they're 5-7. 2020, am I right? Texans there won this game. Broncos-Panthers, uh, the battle of the 4-8. and eights. This one is one of those that I think could easily go either way. I liked what I saw of the Broncos this, this last weekend. Um, they look like a team that was starting to come together or starting to put a little trust in each other. I'm going to go Broncos here because it's the Panthers. They still got some up and down action going on over there. Um, I mean, honestly, this one, this one can go either way, but I, I do like what they were able to string together this weekend. Coming, You got to come out with, even though you lost, you got to come out with a little bit of confidence when you go up against a team like that and you hold them to, you know, fewer than 20 points for most of the game when they're going out and putting up 30, 40 spots and everyone else across the league. A lot to build on there. The Panthers are not the, are not the chiefs. I think if you can string together some of the, some of the similar drives, um, get Lindsay a little bit more active in that game. I think you have a solid chance of uh, putting up some numbers early. And I think once you're there, Panthers aren't that great at playing from behind. I think it, it this might be one you can kind of, you know, run away with a little bit, get Melvin Gordon back into the same groove he was in this last weekend. So I think those guys are going to ride a little bit of that momentum. Um, they're due for a good win. I, I Yeah. Broncos. 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 I almost, almost talked myself out of it. Got to go Broncos. I, I kind of wish you had because that would have been great. You could have had a an L where you... <laughs> where you risked the farm and you could have had a dub where you also bet yeah, the farm. Yeah, yeah. So it would have worked. All right. We're going to the four o'clock hour now. All right, everybody get your cozy out, get your chair. <sighs> Jesus, here we go. It's going to go from like an hour 20 to like an hour Ooh. 45. Let's go. Let me, let me wax poetic about this. Jets at 0 and 12 versus Seahawks 8 and 4. Call this game what you want. The Jamal Adams revenge game. The Seahawks pull their head out of their ass game. Russell Wilson get right game. Sorry for party rocking. Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson game. We already reviewed how I feel, how I felt earlier about losing to a backup quarterback led Giants, okay? When no good reason appeared to be in sight. But as we've said many times, there are five stages of grief, and I will recap them for you here. <laughs> and I will Christ. perform them for you so you understand how, as a 12, as a member of Seahawks Twitter, as a as a Seahawks fan, we are all feeling right now. Okay. First stage, denial. Ready? Acting face. Seattle didn't lose to the Giants. They lost to themselves. What are you talking about? Get out of here with that. This is anger. Jesus Christ. The Giants? Are you kidding me? Why do we trade away picks for Jamal Adams? And why is it Russ being allowed to cook? Stop the count. We were leading that game 5-0. to zero. There's no way we should have lost that game. 5-0, he said, everybody. This is this is bargaining. 
it's me smoking a cigar, <laughs> corn cob pipe, if you will, in a velour jacket somewhere in a in a very dark room where there's no light in because my migraines are unbelievable. You know, maybe actually what's happened with the Seahawks is that they're built to run the ball, take some deep shots, and teams have now figured out how to slow them down, and that they're inversely. Forcing them to rely on the run while blaming the passing game. Am I right? <laughs> Look, the run game isn't getting all the oohs and ahs that it used to in the in the yesteryear. And these teams have figured out the only way to slow down to Kayla Metcalf is to bracket him up top, take those routes away. And if you listen to me in this essay, I will. Hey, let's this is where we really are right now. Depression. Look, they're right. All the pundits. The pundits who said Russ for MVP, the pundits who said Seattle is 11-5, 10-16 at best, they're all right. We don't have business as a Seattle team making it deep in the playoffs because we can't stop back quarterbacks, so we definitely can't stop the Rams. We definitely can't stop the, the Saints. We definitely can't stop any team we're going to run across, especially not the Packers. Our defensive efforts aren't good on weeks that our offense isn't, and we can't get on the same page. I mean, we are probably going to lose a division, and then if we make it to the playoffs, which is a big fat if, we're probably losing the second week after winning the first week by like three points or some shit. Facts. Now, acceptance. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've got to say, for a team that used to rely heavily on streaking wins at the end of the season, I mean, the reality is Seattle's a great, albeit flawed football team. They probably look past lower opponents like the Eagles and the Giants, because they thought they could out-execute them, and they thought they had the talent that was better than them. They thought they, thought they had the edge. I mean, basically, they thought they were playing Division One football, and they learned they were too cute for their own good. I mean, maybe we're going to need to believe we can start losing some games to actually push the Seahawks to the competitive edge. I mean, I like to believe that Seattle is the best football team of themselves, when they're disrespected, and until that happens, I don't think we're going to turn the, the page here, but I do believe Seattle makes the playoffs, and I do believe they go far. All right, God damn it. Uh, Seahawks, please beat the Jets. All right, I did all that pontificating to tell you this. Don't beat the Jets by three to seven points. Do it by 14 or more. Please, please, please. This isn't, this isn't a stage of grief. It's all I'm asking for for Christmas this year. Seahawks by 14. Let's go. Russ, two picks and a fumble. Jets win by four. Jesus Christ, Tim. Why are you doing this? I just went through this. I just went through the five stages, Tim. Uh, 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 Jesus Christ. No, the Jets, so the, the only reason I say that. No, Jets, moving on. Moving no, on. No, no. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> moving on, Tim. No, no. It's not, this isn't about the Seahawks. It's about the Jets. Yeah, the yeah. Jets okay. are right, going Tim. to Tim, win a game. Tim, they're review going... Colts Raiders. Tim, I can't, review I can't. Colts Raiders. It's already started. It's already out there. No, the Jets are going to beat a good team this year, and it's going to be one of those holy shit, what did we just watch moments. I hope it's not Seattle, but it, is, it, it, it might be. I, I, will say this. I will say this right now so it is, it is on record. <laughs> if the Jets beat Seattle, I will purchase. Mm-hmm. A Cameron Newton jersey. Oh, okay. That's how confident I am. I did you not hear me? I just went through the five stages of grief. If yeah. I went through it, the Seahawks defense had to, and the Seahawks offense had to as well. So they should win this game. So I think I'm. In, I think I'm in the clear. But I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put it on the table. I'm gonna say I'll buy a Cam Newton jersey. All right, and I'll wear enough. it. 
because the the Jets have uh, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Browns, and the Patriots. So they're going to win one of those games. It could be against the Browns. The Browns could be caught sleeping, but I think it's going to be against a good team like the Rams, maybe if not uh, if not Seattle. So uh, yeah, good luck, man. I'm I'll be watching that one, pulling for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk about the five stages of grief. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to a much quicker take. Uh, Colts Raiders. The Raiders have been such a streaky team, and they almost lost to the Jets. Let me say that again. They almost lost to the Jets. Yeah, that's insanity. So uh, I'm going to go with the Colts on this one, I think. The Raiders got some things to figure out. Obviously, the, the Raiders are going to come out and put up like 50 points and, and shut out the Colts just because I'm saying this because they came off of a, of, of a bad loss. But still, uh, in my opinion, I think the Colts are the better team right now. Just not only on paper, but passing the eye test. If the Colts could be more consistent, they could have been a top of the middle tier team. But since they go up and they go down and they have some of these crazy games, it's hard to build any sort of confidence or put any sort of confidence in the, into the Raiders. So going with the Colts, the nine and four Colts, surprisingly enough, who are going to have similar records to some of our other superstar teams. And the Colts are one of those. We're not really giving enough attention to, I think. And maybe we will next episode. Nah, I'd see what I did there. <laughs> Football team 49ers. Look, Alex Smith repeatedly stood in the ring and threw punches against the steel curtain. His knuckles were bloodied, and he walked away with a gritty, hard-fought win. The Niners' defense, meanwhile, got embarrassed by the Bills. I don't see those two things colliding and being a winning scenario for the Washington football team, especially after multiple lawmakers in Detroit have sent a letter to openly lobby for defensive coordinator Robert Salah to be the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. That being said, um, I think that, that the football team needs to win this game and the Giants have to lose to the cards to make Riverboat Ron's division dreams come true. And I don't want to count against the comeback player of the year. So I think, sorry, Greg and Davis, the football team does it here. I think I think they pull it out. Mm, I think so too. Like, how do you how do you come off of a game like that without like ready to run through a wall for your quarterback? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am with you. <clears throat> Saints Eagles. Um, Saints came out strong behind Hill for two games, and then they kind of stumbled a little bit in the last one. But the Eagles, uh, coming off of their new quarterback, hmm, this is a tough one. Like you, you almost can't go against the Saints. They're ten and two. They're going up against the Eagles, who are. Three and eight, but Jalen Hurt coming in might be the spark that that team needs to push them over some of these close games that they have. Um, I'm going to go Saints on this one. I don't think I, I think it's going to take a game or two for Hurts to kind of get himself in a groove, get himself on the same page with some of those receivers, and really get a feel for what he has. One or two possessions isn't enough to really get an idea. He's going to come in. He's going to be a little charged up having his, his first start. Saints just seem to be firing on all cylinders. Hill comes out and has an even mediocre game. Uh, yeah, they. I think this the Saints take this one. Right on. Falcons Chargers. And to be honest, I'd want, I, I want so hard in my heart of hearts to go for the Falcons here. 
let's be honest. They've had many chances, and they've squandered them away, and the Chargers just got embarrassed, and their coach is possibly playing for his job. I do not want to go against that. Chargers. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Packers-Lions. Think about this one for a second, because... Look at who they lost. Look at who the the Packers lost against. It was the Vikings. They lost to the Colts, and they lost to Tampa. The Lions, I think, are right in line with some of those teams, and could come out and put up a little bit as of, of a surprise against the team that showed a little bit of vulnerability against the Eagles. Um. I'm gonna go Lions in an upset because I oh! think yeah yeah, yeah 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 I'm gonna go Lions in a little bit of an upset here. I think they have. I honestly think that they've begun to string together some quality starts. Uh, I think Stafford is finding ways to like connect with guys and make guys on the team like everybody on the team. A little bit better. Uh, they were six and eleven last weekend on their third down conversions, which is phenomenal. Um, so it's it's. Tough. I know it sounds like I'm I'm playing the upset card just to try and play the upset card, but I honestly think there's a possibility that if the Packers come out and have a similar game to what they just had, um. You're gonna find yourself in a position where you know you're you're playing from behind because I think this is one of those this is one of those games where Stafford comes out as a phenomenal game, uh, you could find yourself in some trouble early. We already heard the grumblings from uh, Rogers about his course, who so doesn't seem to have a lot of faith in them. So get behind a little bit start to uh start to struggle even a little bit while Stafford's firing on on all cylinders. I think this is one that it could go either way. I mean, they were 5 and 12 on their third down conversions last weekend, so not that much of a difference there. So the Lions are a much much better team than the Eagles. So the Eagles had a chance. Got say Lions have a chance, and I think they have better than a chance. Take this one in a close one. Uh but I think they win. Crazy. Let's, oh. let's back it up. Oh. Because oh. I'm gonna go uh upset as well. Steelers Bills. I think the mm. Bills fucking around and take this. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh the Bills are feeling themselves right now. And if we're being honest, the Bills have already proven that they can hang with teams that have hung with the Steelers. Okay. The Seahawks team outside of Jamal Adams was the same team that beat the this Pittsburgh Steelers last last season. Yep. Uh they they ran a train. On, on the Seattle Seahawks this year. So I think the Steelers are kind of reeling. I think they've had some defensive injuries, which haven't really been talked about, but you lose Devin Bush, then you have Robert Spillane, he comes in, but he also is injured now. I mean, you can't have a Mike linebacker and then your second Mike linebacker both go out. That usually will spell trouble for your defense. Now, Mike Tomlin is a fantastic coach. Never had a losing season. Is not going to have a losing season this year. That being said, 
The Bills have a massive amount of firepower, and the Bills are not worried about putting anything on tape that could possibly haunt them later on down the road. It's like a Bills fan told me this. When Josh Allen has to play in weather, he usually throws a couple picks. He usually coughs up a fumble, does something stupid. Whenever there's like clear weather, watch out. Josh Allen is going to torch people. Josh Allen has had a lot of really great weather games lately. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, And I just see kind of that continuing here. So the the Steelers, look, you were 11-0 and and you lost because the team sort of found a way to outsmart you. If the Washington football team can find a way to outsmart you, the Bills are going to find a way to outsmart you. So I think the Bills in an upset. Yeah, we had said a couple times, once the game plan is on, you see what happens. I don't want to say I was right, but let's reflect two weeks ago, three weeks ago when I said. Uh, no, wax no, poetic about your Tim Stradama skills. No. What did, what did we say about Murray? Said, hey, look, this was an interesting game where they found a way to literally shut it down, and we're in a mimic league. Let's see what happens as this goes on. And sure enough, now we're talking about the reeling, struggling, sliding Cardinals because teams literally took that and have ran with it. Everyone has taken him out of the game, and here you are. They've lost several games in a row because of it. So this is another one of those. You have a game plan now. You see what works against the Steelers. Mimic it. Capitalize it. Perfect it. Watch what happens. Uh, Ravens-Browns. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, man. Uh, Ravens-Browns. Uh, the Ravens haven't shown that they really have the capability of coming out and stringing together decent games. Um you got some guys coming back off the COVID list. They've had that weird schedule over the last week. They're missing a little extra rest time. Uh, no, it's a Monday night game, so they'll catch this. What'll be interesting is what happens the the, the following week after that. Uh, but Browns playing incredibly well. If this was week one, I would have laughed and said Browns without blinking an eye. But Lamar and those guys haven't shown that they have the ability to put some of these games away. So as much as it pains me, uh, I'm going to pick the Browns here. The Browns are playing incredibly well. Baker Mayfield's playing well. Uh, he's hitting guys. Guys are finding ways to get open. Uh, I know the, the the Ravens' defense is a solid team defensively, but their offense is just, until Lamar gets going again, there'll always be a big question mark there. So, poo-pooed them on all season. Give them Browns a win over the Ravens. Love it. Absolutely love it. And that is week 14. Those are our predictions. You know, we've been pretty good with these. I don't know if uh, you've been playing the stocks or maybe playing the the betting futures, but I mean, obviously there's been some folks that are going to say there's like some people that would never win the Super Bowl. And, you know, you came into the season thinking this is the Tannehill Redemption Tour. If you want to put a bet in on Baker Mayfield being a Super Bowl champion, what could be more 2020 than that? And you could make... So much money, so much money. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, I think we will see some fantastic teams get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, though. That's what I yeah, think. Especially with happen. only one bye this year, that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy. Yeah, like the Chiefs could screw around and get bounced early. Um, I mean, all of these teams we've seen that we've been gushing over all season have come out and found ways to lose some pretty big games. Then you've had teams like the Patriots, which, you know, they're still fighting for a wild card spot. But as we saw against the Chargers, you don't need a Cam Newton that can throw the ball 
300 yards. You just need everybody playing and doing their job and your defense playing incredibly well. Anything can happen. They almost beat the Chiefs this year once. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think we're going to see a very interesting playoff run, and the teams we thought were running away with it are starting to show some some cracks in the armor. So Beautiful. We're almost there. A couple more weeks. Yes. Hope everybody's fantasy season went well. It's coming to an end. I think this is the last week of the regular season. Good luck in your upcoming uh, playoffs. There are plenty of teams who have already clinched a spot, so start looking for some uh, some questionable benches and yeah. be careful with some of those uh starters on teams like you know the chiefs who have already cemented their spot in this weird covid season maybe you want to get some guys some rest so good luck to you guys good luck and we'll talk to you next time